Hey, uh, where is Nancy? Where is Nancy Pelosi? As Republicans get ready to take back the House and Senate next week, what has she been up to? All right, look, I'm skeptical. Maybe this is exactly as they say, but uh, I have my doubts, and this is still America, and it's okay to have doubts and reservations about the official story. Now, why do I have those doubts? Number one, they're holding back key pieces of information that are customarily offered to the public. They've already gone into hyper-exploitation and spinning mode about all this to maximize their chances at success next week. Could that really happen? No, but they're trying. And they've just been weird about it. I mean, this is all we've seen of Nancy since it happened. Take a look. Does it look like she's a victim of a crime uh, or is she under indictment? That's it. That's it. She goes from the garage into the car. Uh, was her husband a victim of a crime or is that family? Uh, I don't know. This is this is odd behavior. It is. Yeah, you want to have security. And we hope this guy, Paul, if he's really, really in bad shape. And we don't know because doctors haven't briefed the public, as they often do in a high profile person suffers a near-death experience. No. The last time we really saw... The last time I remember seeing Nancy, she was actually becoming a bit unglued. It was a week ago Sunday. She was on the Face the Nation show. And I think she feels power slipping away. And she is more erratic than normal. First and foremost, good morning. Uh, it's Sunday morning, uh, 15 days or so before the election. I've been in over 20 states since... Uh, Congress adjourned uh, in the last month or so, and uh, I see very clearly that the ownership of the ground is with us. It's about getting out the vote. Let me just say uh, that because of pe more people working and the rest, the national de the deficit has been cut in half from 2.8 to 1.4. Nobody said we're doing uh, uh, abortion rather than economy, but it's it's about both. And I can tell you that that issue is very very uh, provocative and and. Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, encouraging people to vote. I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about the future, America's working families, for the children. It's always about the children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, there's something kind of desperate about it, right? What's happening to her? Is she feeling her power slip away? And she loves power. I mean, most people do, I guess, when they get it, especially at that level. I mean, you get your own plane and get to go to places like Taiwan and cause trouble over there when the State Department begs you to not go. Uh, she goes anyway on an Air Force jet. You get to go to state dinners and walk in with that, uh, hey, let's face it, Paul Pelosi's a handsome guy. Uh, and Nancy really, really likes the cameras, and she likes dressing up. Uh, take a look at this ensemble, all right? She was in the New York Times fashion magazine showing off this orange... Pantsuit, is that what it is? And back to the cameras. I mean, take a look at this. I think she looks like an, an Instagram star. I mean, look at the face, the moves. See, she is just can't, she loves the attention. I've always sensed that she was in politics for the wrong reason. Um, and getting back to the situation with her house and uh, it was broken into so easily, apparently, by this lunatic and everything that's happened since and they won't tell us key facts. I'm skeptical. As a matter of fact, some of this seems utterly preposterous. And the way the authorities are not giving us information that we should have, my suspicions are even greater. Is there a public interest 
district attorney in releasing that 911 call and the body camera video to the public as well. No, you know, my job, Wolf, is to make sure that we protect the state of this uh, investigation and the successful uh, future of this prosecution. And for us, uh, revealing that evidence um, through the media is just not what we think is appropriate. We want to make sure that this individual is held accountable for these egregious acts. And so for us, we're going to make sure that we limit uh, the exposure of the evidence as much as possible in order to get that done. Hmm. That may sound uh, noble, but it's not standard. And releasing this footage has been proven time and time again to not be prejudicial. I mean, that's the way it's done now. I didn't invent the system, but that's the way it is. Do you remember when that young woman was trying to stab uh, Makia Bry Bryant was trying to stab her friend? This is in Ohio last year. Cops show up. They got their body camera going. And uh, unfortunately, he had to shoot that person. Uh, the footage was released the same day. The police department put it out the same day. How about Dante Wright? This, I believe, happened um, in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Uh, remember when the officer, I think she you, meant to use her stun gun, and instead she grabbed her real gun and shot the guy? Uh, that was a terrible, terrible accident and mistake. Guess what? They released the footage hours later. No, I'm sorry, the next day, just one day later. So, you know, right now the media, they're trying to actually say that we can't handle this footage. We've seen people get shot. We've seen people get stabbed in this body camera stuff. But CNN is actually saying that it might be too traumatic for the people to handle to see a hammer hit Mr. Paul Pelosi. I assume that as the case goes forward, depending on what happens in court, typically we do hear in a lot of cases 911 footage and see the body cam footage. Look, this was, we don't know what, what's on that body cam footage. We're told that uh, Paul Pelosi was hit, I am told, twice by the hammer and that he fell to the ground. So, uh, but we don't know exactly what was captured. But if that was captured, this is going to be very traumatic footage to, to see. And maybe it's not appropriate, not suitable for viewing. <laughs> hey, we're all adults here. We can handle it. I saw Friday the 13th when I was 11, all right? I want to see the footage, especially in a case this high profile. And thanks to the authorities, there's all kinds of questions. They handle this very, very poorly, at least from a public uh, relations standpoint. 911 tapes. Okay, we can't see the hammer in the head. How about hearing the 911 tapes? You know when Kevin Hart, the comedian, got into a car accident? They released those right away. Sounds like the passenger's stuck in the car. Uh, the driver is out of the car, but uh, he looks a little hurt. Uh, I think the top of the car is crushed. Yep, right after that. I think it was a matter of hours. It gets released. That's okay. Have you ever heard of Da Baby? He's a rap star slash, I don't know what he is, quite frankly, but he's uh, very successful at what he does. Unfortunately, he's a bit of a criminal and has been known to shoot people. He did. Uh, I shot him in his leg. Okay. And why did you do he's that? trespassing on my property. All right. Easy there, uh, Da Baby. Hey, what about Tiger Woods when he was in that horrible car accident? Um, the 911 tape was released like 20 minutes later. Hi, go ahead. Hi, can you go with us out to an accident that actually 
uh, vehicle went off the road on Hawthorne. All right. So is this somehow embarrassing to Paul Pelosi? Uh, well, we've been led to believe that Paul Pelosi may have saved his own life with this 911 call. Stories all over the world, a secret bathroom 911 call, how Paul Pelosi saved his own life. CBS News, Paul Pelosi made 911 call that may have saved his life. So let's go into the affidavit about this phone call because I don't know if it's as clear cut. Uh, according to state authorities, Mr. Pelosi asked to use the bathroom. Defendant allowed him to do so. Mr. Pelosi stood up and walked to the bathroom where his phone was charging. Okay. Uh, standing in the bathroom, sorry, we got to read through this. Mr. Pelosi grabbed his phone, turned it on, called 911, and put the phone on speaker. Watching Mr. Pelosi, defendant stood about three feet away, still holding the large hammer and the zip ties. Uh, this is, we got to hear this tape, all right? Couldn't he have closed the door and locked it? Most bathrooms have a, I'm sorry, release the tape, it'll clear all of this up. Why don't they want to do that? Um, now, I have a feeling the cops here aren't being particularly candid with us. Um, here is Chief Scott explaining what went down. Listen carefully. There's really no appreciable violence until the police get there. It happens right before their eyes. The officers observed through the open door Mr. Pelosi and the suspect Mr. DePappi inside the entryway of the home. At this time, the officers remain outside of the threshold of the home, and they observe Mr. Pelosi and Mr. DePapi each with one hand on a single hammer. It was one hammer that the officer observed. Officers, while still outside of the doorway threshold, gave commands to both men to drop the hammer. Mr. DePapi immediately pulled the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi and violently attacked him with the hammer. Yeah right in front of the cops. Maybe they were too hesitant. Look, I support police, of course we do. But we all know everybody makes mistakes, especially, I'm sorry, this guy who's been confusing the issue from the very, very start. So the cops get there and they witness the assault. They don't stop the assault, they witness it. Yet these cops are praised immediately as life-saving heroes. I'd like to reemphasize the quick response and actions of our officers, Officer Kobe Wilmus, Officer Kyle Cagney, and Sergeant Edmund, Edmund Huang. Also, I want to reemphasize and thank our dispatcher, Heather Grimes, Grimes, for her intuition, her quick thinking. I think this was life-saving. You know what this reminds me of? putting people out as heroes like they did with those January 6 cops, right? You anoint some heroes, and then you try to make it difficult for people to question, for people to raise doubts, right? Because after all, the cops are heroes, right? I mean, you can't second guess the cops. Well, the left can, but nobody else can. You got to do it on their terms. And again, these guys are heroes too. Just ask them. It's an honor to have four of these heroes sitting before us today. We welcome for appearing, them for here, appearing here, and more importantly, for your heroism on January 6th. You have the gratitude of this committee and this country. While we on this dais were whisked away from the danger, heroes like those here stood their post before it and paid the price. 
And we are only here now because you guys were here then. You are great law enforcement officers and a hero to law enforcement officers across the country. You are great public servants. You are a hero to public servants across the country. But you are great Americans and you are heroes to all of America. And long after you are gone, you will be remembered as heroes to our country. You think this is genuine reverence? You think they're, they're at all sincere? No, they're using these guys, using it, and using them to basically block and thwart criticism and questions of their behavior. Civilians and people in uniform. It's very cynical. I don't like it. A couple of other things I want to point out in the new state affidavit. Take a look at this. Mr. Pelosi then returned to the bedroom, sat on the bed, and asked defendant why he wanted to see or talk to Nancy. Well, she's number two in line for the presidency, right? Okay, this is again David DePape, the defendant allegedly saying this. Nancy Pelosi is number two in line for the presidency. Now, what does the district attorney say a couple of pages later? I find this kind of interesting, fascinating, actually. He forced his way into the Pelosi home, intending to take the person third in line to the presidency of the United States hostage. Second in line, he says, the DA says third in line. Guess what? The defendant is right. She's second in line, not third in line. This is a mistake that people make all the time. And it's okay to make that mistake. I've made it before. But she's second in line, not third in line. And everybody says third in line. Nancy Pelosi is third in line to the presidency. I wish the president would read his constitution. Third in line to the presidency. Pelosi would be the highest ranking U.S. official to visit Taiwan in 25 years. What's going on with Nancy Pelosi, who would be third in line? House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who's third in line for the presidency. Okay, um, take a look at how it actually works. And then I'll explain why I find this really important and interesting. There's the president of the United States. There's Kamala Harris, right? She's first in line, right? First in line. The speaker would be second in line. You see how that works? The line forms with Kamala Harris. So she, Nancy Pelosi is second in line. The defendant, the crazy lunatic David DePape, who's seeing fairies and all kinds of weird stuff, and he knows this better than anyone else? How does he know it? Can I see that line again? He's right, and everybody else gets this wrong? It makes me wonder. I'm sorry, it just does. Does it make you wonder? Are these his words or, or somebody else's? I don't know. And I, I, by the way, it's safe and legal to raise these questions. We have a jury. It'll be up to them. This man at this point is innocent. That's how the system works. All this confusion, we can lay it at the feet of uh, Chief Scott in part. Now, Chief Scott, maybe he's intimidated because he's only been the chief since, what, 2017, I think? Nancy Pelosi has been a big deal in San Francisco for decades, for decades. The district attorney, she just got the job, what, two months ago? And she's up for re-election next week? Nancy Pelosi is probably running the show and calling the shots. Wouldn't you think that's, um, wouldn't you think that's kind of a reasonable takeaway? Also, it was a reasonable takeaway to think that she was calling the shots on Capitol Hill on January 6th. And I still want to know why that little cop was waving people in. And I also want to know why those uh, cops were standing on either side just watching people come in. Hello, welcome to the Capitol, right that way. Yeah, no problem here. 
Hey, one more word. You may have heard that the Capitol Police, who, boy, oh boy, they're in trouble, had a live feed on Nancy Pelosi's house. <laughs> this, this is a, uh, this is not the Capitol Police, but this may have been what it actually looked like. People in security will tell you, though, that those monitors are not meant to be monitored 24-7. It doesn't actually work that way. The cameras are there to prevent somebody to, you know, be a preventative measure. Oop, we can't do this because we're on tape. And it's also, you uncover the footage after the fact. No one is supposed to look at Nancy Pelosi's house 24 hours a day, seven days a week, especially when she's not there. Anyway, it's all very, very strange. But guess what? This, you can set your watch to it. Joe Biden trying to exploit it. He did it tonight in a bizarre speech at Union Station, the train station. At least it wasn't all red, and at least he didn't have Marines standing behind him. But, yeah, you know, he tied this all to January 6th, and democracy is on the line. And, and he lied a lot, too. Of course he did. I'll be right back. All right, so the midterm elections next Tuesday, right? That's the big day. But early voting has started, and it seems like coast-to-coast all systems are go. Uh, things are working out. You heard about the record voting in Georgia after that Georgia voting law was passed. No problem. Uh, but the threat to democracy, let me tell you something. The threat to democracy is this guy, Joe Biden. Tonight, just a little while ago, he gave a speech. It was, I think, a last-ditch effort to somehow ruin Election Day, to cast doubt on them. I don't know what he's up to, but this was... This was borderline scary, although it's just Joe, so I can't really be scared. But then again, he does have real power. Anyway, first order of business, exploiting the hell out of the Paul Pelosi thing and tying it to January 6th. The assailant ended up using a hammer to smash Paul's skull. Thankfully, by the grace of God, Paul survived. All this happened after the assault and it just, I, it's hard to even say. It's hard to even say. After the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th. It's chilling. Those words for the rest of our lives will just... Why does he always sound like he's telling ghost stories, right? He really is trying to make people afraid. And that's not what a leader should be doing. No. Next. It was an enraged mob that had been whipped up into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. It's a lie that fueled the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation over the past two years. All right. Uh, number one, we like President Trump. We love President Trump. Millions of people do. It really is not unifying, as you pledged you would do, to uh, trash him all the time. And what political violence is he talking about over the past two years? I mean, really, what's, what's happened over the past two years? We got crime all over the place, people shooting and stabbing each other, but it's not political. What's he talking about? He's talking down about America and trying to will it into uh, a very bad place. Lies told for power and profit, lies of conspiracy and malice, 
lies repeated over and over to generate a cycle of anger, hate, vitriol, and even violence. Kind of like what he's doing right now. It really is rich for this man who became nationally famous for lying when he ran for president in 1987, lying about everything. They laughed him out of the race, lecturing America about lies. In this moment, we have to confront those lies with the truth. The very future of our nation depends on it. My fellow Americans, we're facing a defining moment, an inflection point. We must, with one overwhelming, unified voice, speak as a country and say there's no place, no place for voter intimidation or political violence in America. Who says there is? Who are these people? Everybody condemns violence. What is he talking about? Nothing. He's making it up. He's demonizing people who are not demons. It's crazy. And it's, you know what? It's unpresidential. Really bad. There's something else at stake. Democracy itself. I'm not the only one who sees it. Recent polls have shown that overwhelming majority of Americans believe our democracy at ri is at risk, that our democracy is under threat. Overwhelming majority of Americans think that? Well, I was actually watching this speech on CNN, and they fact-checked Joe Biden with this poll. <laughs> uh, I don't see democracy on there, do you? Uh, it's not what people are talking about. They're not talking about January 6th, okay? Yeah, you can get a poll to say anything, but... Even CNN is not supporting you on this. Next. We must vote knowing what's at stake and not just the policy of the moment, but institutions that have held us together as we sought a more perfect union are also at stake. The policies of the moment, he wants us to just ignore those and vote for the, the policies of the moment, the crazy inflation, the crime, the no border, losing a war in Afghanistan. We're just going to brush that aside and, and fall for his spin and hype and fear-mongering. No, we won't. We, the people, must decide whether the rule of law will prevail, whether we will allow the dark forces to thirst, that thirst for power, put ahead of the principles that we've long guided us. Uh, this guy lied for power thirst for power. He's, he's complaining about people being uh, hungry for power. This man ran for the Senate when he was 29 years old, ran for the presidency when he was 44. I think he's plenty thirsty for power, huh? The defeated former president of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. He refuses to accept the will of the people. He refuses to accept the fact that he lost keeps talking about him. Why is that? Maybe he has a complex because he himself has concerns. Did I really get more votes than that guy? It is legitimate and fair to have concerns and doubts about the 2020 election. And I think Joe just might have some as well. The great irony about the 220 election is that it's the most attacked election in our history. And yet, and yet, there's no election in our history that we can be more certain of its results. 
That is another lie. Oh, my goodness gracious. They changed all the rules because of COVID. They use it as an excuse. Look at Pennsylvania. Look at Wisconsin. All right. Those. Wow. The audacity of this man. What a shame. Is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020. To suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. That means denying your right to vote and deciding whether your vote even counts. Instead of waiting until an election is over, they're starting well before it. They're starting now. They've emboldened violence and intimidation of voters and election officials. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America this year. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. So 300 people, he says, running who are, uh, have doubts about the election. That's an idea. Joe's always talking about American, America being an idea. Well, that's a thought that they have. We're allowed to have thoughts. And somehow he's saying that these thoughts pose some sort of existential threat. And again, who Who's the they? Who's encouraging violence? Nobody is. And again, this is America. You know, just ask Hillary Clinton. She, she said that Joe Biden, under no circumstances, no matter what happened, should concede the election. She said that six months before the election. Wow. A couple more. We must, with an overwhelming voice, stand against political violence and voter intimidation, period. Stand up and speak against it. We don't settle our differences in America with a riot, a mob, or a bullet, or a hammer. Unfortunately, uh, the mob often works, and the left seems to love mobs. 2020, Black Lives Matter. All of this was celebrated and glorified. Riots and mobs. I thought they were totally out of control. National Guard was underutilized, but Democrats thought they were beautiful. So America does use a mob from time to time. Shouldn't. They should be quelled. Should not happen. But Joe tolerated this and encouraged it, moreover. There's an alarming rise in the number of our people in this country condoning political violence or simply remaining silence because silence is complicity. He used to say his father said silence is complicity. Uh, who's saying, who's condoning violence? He's making stuff up. I am sick of it. I am sick of him. And I'm very much looking forward to next week. All right, we'll be right back. Oh, and here's another reason to get out there and vote. The police under attack. You know, a sniper opened fire on two police officers in Newark, New Jersey, and uh, hardly anybody's talking about it. And there could be a race component to all of this. One of the reasons why no one's talking about it. You can figure that out. I'll be right back. breaks every minute every day you need the app the newsmax app find it free on your smartphone store then watch us anytime anywhere all right so what happened what's going on this uh, it's just not right something's up we all know it the paul pelosi situation this guy breaking in 
and everything they're telling us about what happened. Look, maybe it is what they say, but there are enough inconsistencies and strange things about this case. And of course, Joe Biden has already swooped in. And tonight, he's trying to exploit the whole thing. On the eve of the election, practically, he's tying Paul Pelosi, the attack there, to January 6th. We'd like to bring in one of our favorites, Bernie Kerrick, former New York City police commissioner, Newsmax contributor. All right, Commissioner, we saw you the other night. Uh, some things have happened. A lot of things haven't happened that probably should have happened. Where do things stand in your mind right now about the situation in San Francisco? What strikes you? Where's the video footage? Where's the uh, body cams? Where is the, uh, you know, who was responsible for the internal monitoring of the cameras at the residence? You know, there were people interviewed around the residence, neighbors, who said everything is monitored with a fine-tooth comb. Where's all that material? Why isn't it being made public? Um, you know, I, I, I put something out on Twitter today, uh, Greg. This stinks. I mean, it just stinks. Put uh, the, you know, get the information out public. Let the American people know what happened. Stop lying. Stop deceiving. Stop hiding. Um, and, and let's get on with it already. Uh, you did put out this stinks. And guess what? At about almost the exact same time, so did I. <laughs> There's something that stinks <laughs> about this. And now I want to uh, the district attorney. Her name is Jenkins, uh, was on CNN today and they asked her about the body camera footage and the 911 tape. Uh, listen to her answer. Is there a public interest? District Attorney, in releasing that 911 call and the body camera video to the public as well. No, you know, my job, Wolf, is to make sure that we protect the state of this uh, investigation and the successful uh, future of this prosecution. And for us, uh, revealing that evidence um, through the media is just not what we think is appropriate. We want to make sure that this individual is held accountable for these egregious acts. And so for us, we're going to make sure that we limit uh, the exposure of the evidence as much as possible in order to get that done. You know, Commissioner, I could have lived with that if uh, that was standard practice. I mean, in some sense, well, that, that makes sense. But every department puts this stuff out. I didn't make that yeah, policy. You know what, uh, you know what, Greg, including hers. She completely contradicts her own department. She con it contradicts what goes on in San Francisco and every other department around the country. So that's that's complete nonsense, right? Um, they're concealing something. There's a reason they're not allowing this stuff to go forward and go public. And the American people deserve to know what it is. Now, I wonder if it's uh, look at Nancy Pelosi, by the way, who has been behaving and has gone into hiding like she was just indicted, not that her family or her home was broken into. Here she is running into a car. It literally looks like this is the kind of thing when you, you know, you just got accused of a crime and you're trying to keep a low profile. Now, she obviously wasn't accused of a crime. But, you know, Nancy Pelosi loves the limelight, loves attention. We all know that about her. I find her behavior and her lack of communication odd. Yeah, it's all odd. Bottom line is, she. this was her residence. It's her husband. She And any other circumstance, Greg, for people, the things she doesn't even have any, any contact with, she's the first one to grab a microphone and go public. In this scenario, she's completely quiet. She's hiding. 
Um, the bottom line, she's doing the same thing that the DA is, San Francisco PD, um, you know, and, and for the feds, uh, from what I've seen, you know, there's a ton of evidence that was collected or should have been collected um, and should be public. In any other scenario, that's what's done. This one, they've locked it down. Nobody's given up anything. And you know what? This is still America. It's okay to ask these questions. You're supposed to ask these questions, especially, especially in times like this, I believe. Anyway, Bernie Carrick, thank you again very much, former NYPD commissioner, New York City Corrections Commissioner, to be continued, and we'll be right back. Well, that is the rapper Takeoff. And he's no longer with us. He died the other night of a gunshot wound. Several, actually. He was just 28 years old. A member of a very successful rap group called Migos. They've been around for about 14 years. Have sold uh, lots and lots of uh, records and songs. Yeah, shot at a bowling alley, actually. A big party there, apparently. And, uh, you know, his death has sent shockwaves once again through much of America, especially the rap community. Here's a guy, his name is Designer. I'm not familiar with him, but he's a pretty prominent rapper. He was so distraught. And in this TikTok video, he seemed to go off on rap culture. You know, like, why do we do this? What's up with the violence? And he pledged to leave rap forever. He's done with it. He's done. I don't blame him. Um, we're going to bring in, in a moment, Maj Toure. He is the founder of Black Guns Matter. He's a gun rights activist. He advocates for the right to keep and bear arms and promotes responsible ownership of firearms within the African-American and urban communities and beyond. He's also a successful rap artist himself. Maj Torre, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you, sir? I'm great, man. How are you? Good to have you. Good to, to be here. Welcome. Look, I'm not the biggest rap fan um, for a number of reasons. I guess that's no surprise. But uh, what... Uh, how big a moment is this in the rap community? And, I mean, look, to me, and I'm no expert, a lot of these guys are talking about depraved subjects, you know, sex, violence, drugs, the N-word, and it's pretty ugly. Um, what am I missing? Well, I want to be clear. All of those things that you just mentioned are in movies, you know, Jay-Z had a line where he says, Scarface the movie did more than Scarface the rapper to me. So I want to be clear that this isn't an attack. Again, these hip-hop artists, and, and more specifically Takeoff, who unfortunately lost his life, he was actually the person there not a part of the foolishness. Um, you know, one of the other members of the group, you know, Quavo, there's video of him at this, at, at, this unfortunate evening um, actually trying to de-escalate. So I want to be clear that um, these these gentlemen, even though if they were a part of a music industry that promotes and glorifies this, we tend to focus on more specifically the artists while ignoring the executives and or the consumers. Um, and I think all all of us have a little bit of to blame. And I say us because, you know, we're all Americans. We you know, uh, America's mostly consumed hip hop, excuse me, is mostly consumed by white America, you know, so. I think it's very important that we highlight the conversation about shifting the culture, uh, not just of hip hop, but just uh, with young black men or young men in general, along a conversation of conflict resolution, de-escalation and avoidance of 
things. These are the, these are the things that we teach at our classes with firearms, because we can't teach about firearms without teaching about avoiding conflict. So I think it's a holistic picture to have here. I love it. I love it. It's funny. Right now, you know, we have senators coming out and saying, you cannot talk about the election of 2020. You know, that's somehow hate speech. Um, but the conversation that's happening within rap music, that's flourishing. And a lot of people are making money off it. You mentioned executives and beyond. I want to show you the top 10 list right now in America, or at least it was yesterday. There's this guy named Lil Baby who's dominating the charts. He's got three of the top 10 hits right now. You know, look, we've seen these segments before. Uh, they were big in the 90s. People would decry rap lyrics. They don't really do that anymore because I think a lot of folks have given up. I mean, like there's no turning it back. Uh, you mentioned the culture. Um, how do we correct uh, whether white people are consuming it, black people are consuming it, human beings are consuming it, young people are consuming it. And this stuff, this music is a lot more accessible. Look, kids are going to, the, to their iPhones a lot more than they're going to the movies these days. Yeah. So I think rap music is far more powerful than cinema. Sir. I think, I think there's a balance there. I think that we cannot just pick one particular group and say this is the cause of it. You know, Lior Cohen was asked by uh, Charlemagne the God on his episode. Charlemagne, this is during a time where a lot of hip-hop artists were talking about drinking lean, promethazine. And he asked Lior Cohen, who was an, at the time I think was an executive of Def Jam Records, if I'm not mistaken, he said, don't you think it's a little bit hypocritical to sign these artists, even though we're talking about how this, this thing is horrible? And Lior Cohen said, opportunistic, yeah, but, you know, I got a family to feed. I cannot separate the artist from the executive, from the culture of violence and ignorance. You know, we got, we have politicians right now talking about, uh, you know, uh, trying to re-bring up a so-called assault weapons ban, right? We're not, we're not having politicians talk about safe and responsible firearms ownership. We're not having to, and, and unfortunately, again, I live in a leftist city. Unfortunately, a lot of my friends and family are leftist. Unfortunately, it happens to be on that side of the aisle. So I think that if we go into it with a holistic perspective, because I listen to Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson is pretty much sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's what, that's what the phrase comes from. So I think that we do have a responsibility of making sure that we're holding these guys accountable, as well as everybody else in that process. We can't just talk about, you know, a Kyrie Irving uh, highlighting a movie, but then ignore Jeff Bezos and Amazon where the movie's platformed on. It is a holistic approach to make sure that we're reaching out to these yep. young men and saying, hey, your life is worth more than what you saw on a, on a movie or yep. the, the, big, the, the depiction of violence on a television show yep. or the uh, violence that's going on in, in, you know, in the music. I think if we approach it from that angle, we'll have much more um, productive responses. I'm, uh, I'm down with that, seriously. And uh, right now there's an immediate risk I believe, though, to the rap performers. And that's what this designer guy was talking about. So there's a real immediate problem. Let's continue, though. Uh, Maj, fantastic. Thanks so much once again. Blackgunsmatter.com. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Blackgunsmatter.myshopify.com. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. And we'll put it on our website, and it's right there as well. We'll be right back. Thank you, sir. All I can say... Is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? 
Now, the fake news has been going crazy about this uh, Paul Pelosi story, and I'll admit, I'm interested. I'm fascinated. Now, not like they are. I, uh, I have questions. I have a lot of questions. But the coverage has been the saturation coverage, and that's fine. But compare it to when that guy allegedly tried to kill Justice Kavanaugh. Remember when they let people violate the law and protest right outside his house? And this young man uh, allegedly wanted to kill him. Yeah, packed his bag full of weapons and duct tape and all kinds of other things and drove across the country and he set out to kill, they say, Justice Kavanaugh. Major, major story that received minor, minor coverage. Barely mentioned on television. And the New York Times, the paper of record, there's the big front page. And you can, for more on that story, you can see on page A20, the Kavanaugh story. Buried, buried. Isn't that something? All right, also this. You always hear that uh, an electric car is going to save the future, right? You got to get an electric car. Some states want to mandate them by 2035. I don't think anybody's really sat down and thought about what that entails. How do you actually make these batteries? It takes a hell of a lot of fossil fuels. Take a look at this uh, video. It puts things in perspective. Do we want to go all electric by 2035? Is it practical to do it now? Well, we can make this whole discussion easy with the two-letter word, no. There's no such thing, of course, as a zero-emissions vehicle. The real question is, where are the emissions associated with the electric car? Because what you do with an electric vehicle is you don't eliminate emissions, you export them somewhere else. You have to dig up about 500,000 pounds of materials to make a single 1,000-pound battery. It takes 100 to 300 barrels of oil to manufacture a battery that can hold one barrel of oil equivalent of energy. Just manufacturing the battery can have a carbon debt rate ranging from 10 tons to 40 tons of CO2. And the plans that are in place to increase the use of batteries will require an increase in production of minerals like lithium, cobalt, zinc. Demand for those minerals will increase between 400% and 4,000%. There isn't enough mining in the world to make enough batteries for that many people for their car. Check out the Trillionaire Life on Instagram. Fascinating discussion, right? I'll be right back. Hey, thank you very, very much, and we'll see you tomorrow night.